is a burning thing And it makes a fiery ring Bound by wild desire all right, welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. Uh, we are eternally grateful to my man Patrick, always doing a great job with the musically themed days of the week. And it's a new theme Thursday. And the theme of today, veterans. Veterans. That's right. Veterans, veterans Day is tomorrow. So he's playing, uh, obviously, songs from great artists who also mm -hmm. happen to be uh, veterans as well. And I got to tell you, some of these I didn't even know were veterans. Right. So I appreciate <laughs> my man Patrick uh, educating us today as well on New Theme Thursday. The one that threw me off. The most was Ice T. I didn't realize Ice I, that, that T was said, a veteran. When he put played Ice T, I was like, Ice T. Yeah, man, Detective Tutuola. <laughs> I should have known. Exactly. Uh, yeah. No, so uh, thanks, to my man Patrick. Uh, but he's off uh, getting ready for uh, Texas basketball. Actually, so my man Corey's twisting and tweaking it down. So we appreciate uh, his efforts as well. We're off here at. Uh, we're on the on, on location uh, out among the people at Randall's, the Brody and Slaughter location. So if you're in the neighborhood, come on out here. There is incentive for you to join us. Come we on. have four separate pairs of tickets to the Texas TCU matchup to give away. That's right, four of them. You got a really good chance to win, and one of those lucky pair are going to be upgraded to VIP status. That's VIP. right. You get to hang out with Big Bertha. You can't bang Big Bertha. I'm not guaranteeing that, but Don't you do get to hang do out it. with Big Bertha. You get yeah. to kick it with her, and it's a new Big Bertha. It's a new one. Yeah, not the they old They call her Big Bertha 2. The Big Bertha, oh, really, Big, Big Bertha 2. Big Bertha They should have gave her another name. No, it's the number two, not also. They should have gave her another name. <laughs> yeah, you're right. No, she's got to be Big Bertha. It's like Bevo. We got a bunch of Bevos that have been coming through here because that's so, what it is. You know, keep Big Bertha. Big Bertha, Bertha is the same. Yeah, you're right about that. Yeah, yeah you're right about that. So, uh, yeah, it is the brand new Big Bertha. I believe you get to hang out with Big Bertha, not Banger. Uh, you also get some pictures with Bevo, get down the field. That's the VIP experience. But we're giving away four separate pairs of tickets. All you got to do is put your name in the registration box. You don't have to be present to win. We'll announce uh, the winners. Actually, we don't announce the winners. Christina will call you. Probably within like an hour after the show. Yep. yep if you do yep. not get a call around like an hour or so after the show, somewhere around there, ah, you probably didn't win. You're not the winner. You're yeah. a winner in life. Yeah. You're just not a winner of these prizes. I'm not going to call you a loser because <laughs> that would be me. You just didn't get to win. Don't the do it. Uh, so, all right, we we'll talk Texas TCU here and get into it. Uh, before we. Uh, get deep into the Texas TCU breakdown here. And I'll also get into it in Rod's round today. So you got two segments, basically, of Texas TCU breakdown here. Uh, there is a, a really cool initiative. Well, and I've got to give the NCAA credit for this, which is rare. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the NCAA has kind of uh, modernized, if you will, their guidelines for the NIL. Mm -hmm. Some of the NIL restrictions. And in a nutshell, we actually have some sound from Sarkman's media availability discussing this. In a nutshell now, uh, the NIL rules allow, the NCAA's revised guidelines now, allow for the university, basically the university and coaches too, yes, to have a more direct involvement with these third-party collectives and entities that were obviously um, – uh, basically the ones who are structuring these NIL deals. Right. Whether it be – and now we – because of these new guidelines, by the way, these new NIL initiatives, uh, Texas has decided to consolidate basically five different NIL entities into one collective 
group yep. called the Texas One Fund. Love it. So the Clarkfield Collective, remember that yep. group, right? Clarkfield yep. Collective. Uh, also Occupy Left Field. Shout out to Occupy Left Field. We all know them. What a do. Work. 40 pack. Now it's a basketball NIL, relatively new. Horns with Heart. Remember, that was the group that had the Pancake Factory for football. Um, and the uh, National Championship Golf Foundation. So self-explanatory. I was going to say, what speaks they, for what itself. They, yeah, what they're trying to promote <laughs> and champion. They're going to operate in unison, all right, and, and a consolidated group called the Texas One Fund, a 501c3 nonprofit organization. And, uh, you know, basically now it's, it's – and like I said, I, I got to read the rules myself, but Texas is now able to endorse the Texas One Fund. Right. Now that they are under this new umbrella, now the University of Texas itself can now have direct involvement with the Texas One Fund. Right. As opposed to when they couldn't have involvement with the third-party entities and collectives individually. Correct. So I don't know why they should, I don't know why the rules are. Apparently the rules are to dis- deter schools from trying to use NIL as inducement. Thank you. That's exactly um, what it's for. Okay. That's exactly so, what I it's mean, for. Yeah, I mean, I, and I, that's I, been the crazy part about okay. it. And yesterday we got a chance to talk to CDC, Chris right. Conte. He hinted at and this And he thing. was talking about it. Yeah. He said, we'll have a website up ready to go. They did do it. They've got everything going. And he also said this. He said, we are very pleased with the formation of the Texas One Fund. As a 501c3 organization, it provides fans, donors, and supporters a way to contribute to the NIL opportunities for our student athletes and for our student athletes to support important community programs. That's another part of this. These kids definitely have to be involved with the community and get in front of everyone else. And he also says, we believe this is the best way to bolster NIL initiatives for our student athletes and support the meaningful interactions that they can make in our charitable community. So this is a big, important situation for everyone that's involved. Obviously, we're, going to, we're talking about Texas, but when the NCAA has been able to do this, it opens it up for all the other universities as well. So there's not too many of these other people that are involved. Yeah, uh, I, I agree that they're trying to uh, cut out a lot of the kind of the excess from it. Yep. Yep. And and I, I, I kind of agree with this uh, new rule. Like I said, it's not just for Texas, but Texas, I think, can really capitalize on it more so than a lot of other universities just because of the massive donor base that Texas no has. Doubt. And now the coaches can have more direct involvement as well. Here's Steve mm-hmm. Sarkeesian earlier today. He had the Zoom media availability, and he was asked about these new revised guidelines and how it could be advantageous to Texas. Well, I mean – I think that's where we're headed in college athletics right now. Right. Uh, and the fact that, uh, you know, Chris O'Connor, uh, the university, um, have, have formulated this, I think is a positive. Um, I think we're doing it the right way. You know, I don't think anything we've done from an NIL perspective and now, uh, from on, on this front has been above board and have, and they've done it in a way that I think is going to become a positive and that there's room for growth. Um, you know, with, with the idea that now 
Um, I can talk to donors about NIL and how to support and, and what we're trying to get accomplished here for our student athletes, I think is, is big. And it's not just me. It's every sport here at the university of Texas. Uh, I've said this all along. We've got the best coaches in the world here on every level. Uh, we recruit the best athletes in the world to come swim, play basketball, play football, run track, play volleyball, whatever that is, baseball. Um, and so if we can support that, uh, on, on different levels. I, I think it's all a positive because that's where we're headed now. And so the idea we can agree or disagree with NIL, we're beyond that. Now it's how do we support it and how do we, how do we do it the right way um, and do it with class like the University of Texas always does. Yeah, there you go. Uh, that's Sark talking about uh, the new revised guidelines for NIL. I, I, I'm, I'm kind of putting words in the mouth, but this is my own words, just trying to transcribe, essentially translate, I should say, more of what I've uh, talked to some of the boosters and donors about and their participation in NIL. You know, they want, Texas wants to be the NIL capital of college sports, that it is clear to everybody around the country, even from the outside looking in, that the University of Texas is the king of the NIO game. Now, they're not the only ones who want to be that. Right. The Aggies would like to be that. Miami has their own sugar yep. daddy, yep. all right, yep. who wants to help them become that. Um, and they're at USC. Now he doesn't have to do it by himself now. You exactly. know what I'm saying? You know? <laughs> yeah, at USC, they, they yep. also have, yep. you know, they got some, like I said, some sugar daddies of uh, their own, some booster and donors who would also like them to be considered the name, image, and likeness capital of college sports. But if anybody uh, – is can be competitive in that market and co- can potentially compete to be at the top of the NIO world, it would be the University of Texas. They got the donor base. They got the money. Um, they got the influence in Austin now, a pop culture mecca. All those things are right now, I think, kind of, you know, it's materializing uh, at the right time for Texas to help them become a power. You know, that's not, that's not make any, you know, uh, excuses or let's not discount the fact that the NIL game also coming in the same time Sark did, yep, you know, yep. with a great coaching staff. Um, is As your transfer, transformation towards the SEC. Exactly. And the transfer <laughs> portal, yep, yep, right? Yep. All these things are helping Texas they're not hurting Texas. Correct. Some institutions, those things are hurting them rather than helping them. Right. All those things are actually fuel branding of Texas football. Yeah, and it's, a, it's an exciting time, I mean, because it's forever changing. And we talked about this at the very beginning of the change to the NIL agreement. It's like, uh-oh, you need to have a game changer. How are you going to be able to do this? How are you going to monitor this? How are you going to monetize? How, there are so many different things that we worked privy to as far as the NCAA, how they were going to monitor it. Now they're putting it all under one roof, which is a better way of going about things. That way it is more – I'm not going to say it's a controlled deal, but it's to the point now where all – of it goes into one fund, yep. so you can help. That's why it's called Texas One. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's why. That's why it transforms mm-hmm. into that because it helps all the sports. I was waiting for Sark when it, I'm like, Sark, you're a former baseball player. You better put baseball in the conversation. You talking about all sports? <laughs> he said uh, baseball. I was like, okay, all right, Sark, I can, I'm following you now. Give the <laughs> baseball players some love because in the grand scheme of things. You know, baseball players are the ones that have been having a tough time trying to get this money. Like I told you before, yep. if they'd have had this around, your boy would have been on the 48. Hey, that's right. Because I wouldn't have had to chase that dream and the cheese. Uh-huh. It would have taken a little bit longer. No doubt. Because then I would have been chasing <laughs> dream, cheese, and degrees. You know what I'm talking about. But let me tell you about my friends over at Nexivo Naturals. Today's world provides a lot of stressful situations between family and work. 
it's hard to go through the day and not be stressed. You know, it's hard before you go to bed and you want to turn your mind off. That's when I turn to Nexivo Naturals, triple action CBD sleep product. I've been using it. I'm telling you right now, it does make a difference. A lot of times your mind wants to continue to race while you're trying to go to sleep. You got so many things on your mind. But this has that melatonin in it. It's got a smart CBD to calm your mind. And then you got the melatonin that can help you fall asleep fast. But then it's got that controlled release melatonin so you can sleep longer and wake up refreshed. I had a friend of mine talk to me the other day, and she was like, do you really take that? Do you really feel refreshed when you wake up? I'm like, absolutely, especially when you're having some of those tough times. And Nexivo is the only brand to blend all those ingredients into one product. They, got, they try to make it a better flavor for you, too, as well. So I use the strawberry flavor sleep support cbd gummies to help me fall asleep quicker and it works i promise you you can get a better light's rest and be refreshed in the morning by taking nexivo naturals for uh up to 25 percent off subscription orders of 40 dollars or more you can use the promo code the horn excuse me just horn at nexivo.com that's n-e-x-t-e-v-o.com code horn all right, uh, we're out here at Randall's. If you're in the neighborhood, come on out here. Uh, we'll be out here till 7 o'clock, and we're giving away four separate pairs of tickets to the Texas TCU matchup. Ooh, yeah. All you got to do is put your name in the registration box. One of those lucky pair will be upgraded to VIP status. All right, let's hear some more from Sark in this breakdown of the, uh, the Texas uh, TCU matchup. Now, Sark uh, did, and you actually – uh, attended this Zoom, I did. Uh, I did. called the Zoom media availability, if you will, for Sark today. And, you know, one of the things he talked about, of course, was uh, prepping for TCU this week of prepping. Everybody believes that Texas has an advantage in the preparation game plan, not only because Texas seems to win the battle of game plan and preparation week after week because they win the first half. Yep. <laughs> but they lose the second half, as we know, in Big 12 play, but also because they have Gary Patterson. Right, GP. And there is a belief that Gary Patterson, who helped build that program, not helped it actually, was the architect of building the TCU football program, can give you a detailed, thorough scouting report wow. on every player there. Um, so here is Sark talking about the week of preparation Texas has had so far uh, going into the TCU game. Uh, that being said, I thought our players have prepared really, really well. Um, I thought they've they've really kind of built off of what they did last week uh, and continued that process of their from a preparation standpoint, whether it's mental, physical and or recovery. I think the guys have really bought into it. Uh, we feel fresh and we feel ready to go. All right. I mean, they should be. I yeah, mean, they I should mean, be fresh. They're just yeah. coming off a of bye week, not just coming off a of bye week, but a bye week two weeks yeah. ago uh, prior to that K-State game. And they found a way in the K-State game to overcome <laughs> uh, one of their biggest hurdles, all right, to exercise one of their demons. Hopefully it's a demon that doesn't come back to haunt them, but the demon of having the double-digit lead uh, off of Sark's 20-play script, having the halftime lead, having the fourth-quarter lead, and then obviously having a late-game collapse and losing that game. Yes, they had a collapse of somewhat in that game later on, but they did not lose. They found a way to win it to make clutch plays in clutch time. Keandre Coburn forcing the fumble, Jalen Ford with the fumble recovery, and they put some Bijan on it, let's be honest. Yep, Those are yep. probably the two biggest differences. 
there's a belief that, you know, Texas coming out of this, this game should have a great week of preparation and practice, and they're confident. They should be a confident bunch because they haven't been at this high as a program under Sark yet. So, you know, you were part of that game in 1999. You were, you were a freshman here at the University of Texas when they beat, you know, uh, mm-hmm. Nebraska. Oh, yeah. And everybody was talking about that game and, and how it was one of those momentum-changing games, that, especially for the program. This is one of those situations that I look at as well. I was talking to a buddy of mine, and he was telling me today, he was trying to, you know, put into words what this game would mean. So as far as the preparation and, and the time that they are putting in there, do you get – because Sark talked about this. Maybe this week they get an extra hour of film study. Maybe they get more time on certain things, a little bit longer in the training room, making sure that their bodies are right. When you're looking at this game, and this is a huge game, the nation's going to be looking at it. Everybody's talking about TCU and how they're trying to be the representative of the Big 12. But this is a big game for the University of Texas, and this could be a game for Sark. We talked about it last week, Rod. You asked me, would this be considered the K-State win? It was number 16 team at the time. Would this be a signature win? I said yes, because it was a signature win on the road. This right here? This right here, if he wins this one, what does this do for this program? Recruiting, big recruiting weekend as well. Yeah, Big recruiting weekend. You're going to probably have – you talked about this before. There's going to be more people at this game and more hype about this game than they were at Alabama. It was an 11 a.m. game. This is a night game. Mm-hmm. This is where everybody's going to be lathered up. If and when Texas wins this game, what does this do for the program? Uh, well, it could be huge for the program. Uh, but for Mac, it's not the same. Mac, remember, Mac beat Nebraska in 98. Yep. So Mac had already had a signature win going into 99. Most people had already believed that Mac was the guy. Mac had done he was enough. Trending. He had done enough in 98 because he kept Ricky there yep. and had the Ricky Heisman momentum and also had a big signature win already in his first season. Sark didn't have that type of ascension. Correct. Sark had a 5-7 and seven season, oh, oh, oh. lost to Kansas, so it was a little bit different. Um, but I think for Sark, it's just validation. I said this about the, um, you know, the uh, Arch Manning recruitment. Yep. The, Arch Manning, the fact that the Mannings were sold on Sark's vision, and they decided, even after 5-7, and seven, that they were going to, you know, it basically, a part hit, of it. Hitch, hitch their wagon mm-hmm. to Steve Sarkeesian and his vision and his dream. I think said a lot because that's the first family of football, and if anybody knows football, it's the Mannings. And they did their research and they decided, nope, Sark's the guy uh, for the future of the Manning brand. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna invest in Sark. That was big, and I think this would just be further validation of whatever Texas is doing behind the scenes, behind the burnt orange curtain. There, it's working. Recruits believe it. The Mannings believe it, and now the nation actually will yeah. get their. You know, I mean, they they'll become believers now. They'll become true believers in Sark's vision if they can beat the fourth ranked team in the country. Ever. Right. That oh no, they are headed down the right path. It's the right vision. So it, it is. It's a big game. It's huge, man. And Sark wants to change the narrative. The big issue, obviously, will be second half scoring for oh. Sark. Six combined points in the last two games. In the last two second halves, I should say, the last two games. Um, here is Sark talking about the TCU being a second-half team. They've arguably been the best second-half team in the country. Texas has arguably been one of the worst second-half teams in the country. Uh, here's what Sark had to say about that matchup. No, I'm, uh, 
No, I don't, I don't think it's anything schematic. Um, I think they, they do a good job of staying the course. They do a good job of playing hard, um, continuing to play with good effort. Um, you know, they, they, you know, they're obviously a well-coached football team. They got good players and then they, you know, and then once you start to have some of those games like that, yeah, I think they've got a, a great deal of belief that they're never out of it. And so it, it definitely shows up. Yeah. I, I, I don't know what that says about his squad in the second half. Right. Um, because yeah, I mean, they, Texas should have belief. They should have all those things. He just mentioned too. should be able to stay the course, but Texas in the last two games only scored three points in each of the last two second halves. If that is the case in this game versus TCU, even though I'm close to picking Texas, they're going to lose to TCU. If they only score three points in the second half, they'll lose to TCU. I, think I don't give a damn a, how many points they I think that's a half. very, very valid point. Don't matter. And that's something <laughs> that we've been talking about. Remember, I read you the, the tweet the other day. I will feel very comfortable that Texas will win the game if they're up by 70 at halftime. That's what somebody <laughs> tweeted out. Yeah. I mean, that is where our comfortability is with this team. But as I sit today, and I'm picking Texas to win the game. I'm just going to put it out there right now. And I've already picked the over in this game as well. That, that's already cash. That's already out there. I already put that out there. But the biggest thing for me and this team is what you just said. The second half woes. Because that's the only thing everybody ever talks about. That's it. Nobody ever says, man, Texas didn't come out ready to play. You never hear that conversation. What you always hear is Texas and the second half. Everybody gets excited to watch the game, but then they don't have fingernails by the end of the game because they're waiting to see. I just feel like Coach Sark and the team is looking at this the same way that other people have. Uh, analysis by paralysis, right? That's what I think happens in the second half. I think he gets so nervous and he gets to the conservative part about it and he's not being as aggressive as he once was when he was dialing it up. Can he change that this week? That 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 will be the telltale sign. Uh, all right, uh, we'll come back. I'll get more into that in Rod's rant of the day. We'll talk about the Texas TCU matchup, what Sark's got to do uh, to pull off the win, the big win. Uh, not an upset, though, because Texas actually is favorite in favorite. the matchup. We'll come back. We'll talk about that. We're live from Randall's right here off of Brody and Slaughter. Uh, come on out here. We're giving away four separate pairs of tickets to the Texas TCU matchup this weekend. One of those will be upgraded to VIP status. This is Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Find out what happens when people stop being polite and start getting real. You ain't keeping it real. My God, okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. What's oh, you've got it now. It's time for Rod's Rant of the Day. Hold on to your butts. All right, welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. Really appreciate all the folks uh, that came out here to Randall's, uh, obviously for the tickets, not really necessarily for us uh, to get the tickets. Four <laughs> separate pairs of tickets you got a chance to win out here for the Texas TCU matchup. One of those will be upgraded to VIP status, but uh, hard degrees with me. Best part of this job, getting a chance to meet all the listeners and fans. Uh, so we really appreciate you guys when yep. you come by. Uh, please come by and say hi, man. We, we'd really uh, love to get a chance to meet all the listeners and the fans, share a little time, because um, you guys make the effort to come out here. We want to make the effort to get to meet you. So, anyway, come on out, Randall's, uh, Brody, and Slaughter is where we are right now. Okay, let's talk Texas TCU. There is a, I think it's going to be a huge uh, factor in this matchup. 
uh, between Texas and TCU. You're looking at explosive plays. I've been talking about this for a while. Max Sark, Sark was asked about the explosive plays in this matchup with Texas and TCU. Uh, we actually had a listener come by. We were talking to him about it, and I said, listen, Texas – they are very vulnerable, all right, to big plays via the passing game, and they have given up some big plays in the passing game this season. Matter of fact, the 39 20-plus yard plays that Texas has allowed on defense, 33 of those have been via the passing game. They've only allowed six 20-plus yard pass, 20-plus yard rushes from on the ground, all right, from scrimmage. So the rush defense has been stout all year long. And if I think TCU is watching the same film I'm watching, I think they're going to attack Texas via the pass. And I said this yesterday, I would not doubt if they came out. And this is a team that throws the ball on first down probably, I don't know, 37% of the time, maybe a little less than 40% of the time. I wouldn't doubt if their early down pass rates are hovering around 60% versus Texas. That sounds crazy because, hey, man, they're one of the better running teams in the country. But Texas is one of the better rush defenses in the country, and I think it's a fool's errand to run against the Texas rush defense, even if you have Kendra Miller, who has been great. I don't think we talk about oh how good Kendra Miller's been, and I'll give you some of those numbers in a second, but yes. let's hear from Sark first. Here's Sark talking about the explosive plays and what a big factor explosive plays are going to play in this matchup versus you. Yeah, I mean, I think one, they've got a very talented roster. Uh, they got a lot of speed on their team. Um, you know, you, you obviously Quentin Johnson's the easy one to point out, but they've got, you know, four or five receivers that can really run. Uh, obviously the two running backs can, can get it. Uh, they utilize the tight ends really well. Um, and then the quarterback's playing with a lot of confidence. So in turn, when they get the looks they're looking for, he takes the shots and they go get it. Uh, they space you out quite a bit. And so if you don't, if the first guy doesn't get them on the ground, you got to populate the ball because they have the ability to take it the distance. Um, so I think all those things, and then that's the, that's the natural concern when you play against anybody. Uh, you know, we always try to pride ourselves on minimizing the explosive play last week. We were vulnerable to it. You know, we, we gave up some explosives, uh, and that's something that we've had to sure up this week because, uh, these guys will take it the distance. You know, it's not going to be a gain of 40. It's going to be a touchdown. Uh, he's right about that. That's what they do. Like I said, they have more, uh, 20-plus yard touchdowns, 48% of their touchdowns have come via explosive plays. And, you know, think about speaking of Kendra Miller, I don't think we respect the man enough, so I'm going to give you some numbers. Uh, I went and compared him just straight up to Bijan, who I think is the best running back in the country. Yards per rush, Kendra Miller has the advantage. 6.6 to Bijan's 5.9. Yards per game rushing, Bijan Robinson has the advantage, 125 to 112. How about rushes? of at least five-plus yards, who do you think would have the advantage? I already know. Miller. Kendra Miller. Yeah. Rushes of at least 10-plus yards, the advantage. Kendra Miller, Miller, 18% of his runs go for at least 10 yards. 14% of Bijan runs go for at least 10 yards. Rushes of at least 15-plus yards, uh, Kendra Miller, 11% mm-hmm. of his rushes go for 15-plus yards. Against, uh, for Bijan, that's seven, nearly 8% of his rushes go for 15-plus yards. Rushes of 20-plus yards. Kendra Miller, 6.5% of his rushes go for 20-plus yards. Bijan Robinson, 4%. So as good as y'all think Bijan is, and I think he's good too, Kendra Miller's been just as productive. Very much so. If not more productive than Bijan. 
And I think that's easy to quantify for me because he has a rushing quarterback in the backfield with him. So it just makes them tougher to stop as a combo, being able to stop a plus one in the running game with the quarterback and then also a really capable running back in Kendra Miller. And, and how about this? In the last four Big 12 games, he's actually averaging – 133 rushing yards per game. Um, very so he's gotten, explosive. He's actually gotten a little bit yep. better, but so is Bijan. Yep. <laughs> yes, sir. By the way, so yep. is Bijan. So explosive plays are going to be big. Uh, Bill Walsh wrote in his uh, book, Finding the Winning Edge, if you win the explosive play margin by one play, uh, then you have a 60% chance to win the game. If you win the explosive play margin by more than one play, one or two plays, you're talking about a 70, close to 80% chance to win the game. So explosive play margin is big. Why? Because human error. That's why explosive play margin is big because most teams can't put together 10, 12, 13 play drives without somebody screwing it up. All right, offsides, a false start, uh, ran the wrong route, dropped the pass, quarterback messed it up, somebody missed the block, whatever. You got 11 guys, need to execute perfectly on every play, just didn't happen. So if you can force a team just to go 11, 12, 13 years, 13 plays, there's going to be a chance somebody just make, messing it up, making a bad play, or one of your guys making a good play. Right. Especially with TCU. Remember, TCU, they need that explosive play. Because if you go look at the red zone defense for Texas, this is Texas is saving grace in this matchup. They want to play red zone defense. They're 25th in the country in red zone defense. And they're around 27th when you look at red zone defense when touchdown percentage allowed. If they can get TCU in a situation where they have to play red zone defense, that means they're not giving up explosive touchdowns uh, via TCU. They're making them have to work for it. So the two things you need to watch in the matchup mostly – are going to be explosive plays on either side. Because, by the way, TCU gives up a ton of explosive plays. Only eight teams in college football have given up more explosive plays from scrimmage than TCU's defense. Only five teams have allowed more passing plays of 20-plus yards on defense than TCU's defense. So they'll give up a lot. They, they're opportunistic, so they make a lot of plays. They're an old-school Big 12 defense. High risk, high reward. They're going to make some plays, but they're going to give up a ton of plays. So if you're Texas, you got a chance to, you know, if it's a shootout, of course, I think you'll be okay in a shootout. Um, but I've talked about it. I think I'd kind of avoid the shootout if I'm Texas yeah. offensively. And the way to avoid the shootout is Bijan. Because this is what's wrong with a shootout for Texas. Because Texas can, I just told you, TCU's defense, nothing spectacular. Texas can move the ball against TCU's defense. Here's the problem with a shootout, though. Texas isn't really good right now at completing deep passes downfield. Correct. 15 yards or more downfield, 20 yards or more downfield. They know that. But what we know about Sark, a big game hunter, he's always chasing that big play until he gets it. So if he, let's just say he just doesn't get it for two quarters in that game. Then you're going to have two quarters of him inefficiently chasing the deep ball instead of taking the small game like he should. We all know this because we've all seen it happen. TCU, on the other hand, really good, as I just told you, at deep chunk yardage plays downfield. As a matter of fact, Max Duggan throws a, I think has 75%, plus percent actually, catchable ball rate yes. on passes 15 yards or more downfield. He throws a really good catchable ball deep downfield, and he's got the best wide receiving core in the Big 12 to help him do it. With Quentin Johnson, who'll be back, there's a big body, Darius Davis, they're just they're loaded at wide receiver. So if you get into a shootout and, and Texas don't forget is, about Barber and Tech exactly <laughs> and Tech and listen, they're they're vulnerable to the big plays, but so is Texas. 
You're talking about Texas pass defense isn't necessarily great. You're talking about the 101st pass defense and the 95th pass defense in the country going at it right now. Yeah. And Texas is the 101st one. <laughs> okay? uh, so here's, and here's another cut from Sark because I've talked about this all year long. I know where TC is going to try to attack Texas, and so does Texas. They're going to try to attack you from 10 to 19 yards in between the numbers. That's the most vulnerable spot for Texas so far this year, and it's in the passing game. You can't run the ball against Texas. They haven't allowed a 100-yard rusher this year, and I think TCU, if they try to run the ball against Texas and come out running, I think Texas is going to dominate. Texas is going to beat them by more than a touchdown. That's the case. I don't think they will. They'll come out. They'll flip the script, and I think they'll come out and throw to open up the run. That, that first down pass rate will probably go from 37% or 41% on second down to probably 60%. And then they'll use Duggan's legs and scrambling and design runs to supplement the running game. Uh, but the middle of the field, and Sark has been concerned about it. I've been talking about it since the, the UTSA game. Um, and Sark has been asked about it multiple times. Here's what Sark had to say about Texas trying to do better at defending the middle of the field. Uh, we need to be sound in our coverages. You know, I think a lot of what happens in there is we have some breakdowns. Um, and when we do it right, we can create some explosive plays. You know, obviously Jalen Ford with the big interception last week in that same area of the field. Uh, Oklahoma State, you know, I think we might have dropped two or three interceptions in that same area of the field. So we got to maximize on our opportunities when they're there. Um, and we got to be sound in our coverage. And then ultimately it's about, you know, we got to execute those calls. Yeah, uh, and he's right. I mean, all those things would help, but uh, it's been an issue all year long. And, and I looked at the K-State. I watched the K-State game again uh, last night and went and charted a lot of those inside breaking routes. I talked about the glances, the slants, the post routes uh, that Texas has been vulnerable to. Even the angle route by the running back, Texas has been vulnerable to. Remember, going into that game, the Iowa State game and the Oklahoma State game, Texas allowed both of those teams to complete around 77% of those routes when they targeted those routes. 44% explosive play rate. That means a play of at least 15 yards and a 67% first down or touchdown rate. That means 67% of the time they targeted a glance, a slant, all right, a post route or an angle route right. and resulted in a first down or a touchdown. Uh, K-State game. They had an angle route to Deuce Vaughn. They got 14 yards. They had a double slant. My man Deshaun Jameson got a PBU on, which was great. Deep post, which is incomplete with Jameson on the coverage. That was also good. They allowed the tight end for K-State to get a big 19-yard gainer uh, on first and 10 on the post route. And then also a 25-yard touchdown to Warner, which was also a delayed angle right. Basically a two-high beater, two-by-two stack twins smash concept with delayed double move burst to the middle of the field. Sorry, that sounds a little bit nerdy, but it was basically a double move to the slant. So that's why they ended up completing that one too. So you go look at it. They they probably didn't target it as much as they probably should have, but they got some big chunk yardage plays targeting that very same concept against Texas. There's no question that TCU will probably try to do the same thing, and they'll target crossing routes and six routes, which is a route 10, 15 yards on the field, and you just run it at 90-degree angle right across the field. That's your six route. And remember, Malik Knowles against K-State. 
how many times do we see him run that six route? Oh my the number goodness. one receiver, like yeah. three times. Yeah. End up, boom, popping wide open. Right. Right? That's that sweet spot that K State that uh K State found. TCU's gonna be looking for it too. So and I that, think their wide receivers are better. They're they're way better. Yeah. So you watch the crossing routes and the six route, and you're also gonna watch those, like I said, those in breaking cuts, like glances, posts, and the slants. They're gonna look at and they're gonna throw out a lot of, they do this naturally anyway. They run a lot of bunch formations and stack formations. That's where the K-State touchdown came from, from Warner. They do that naturally, um, and Texas has been vulnerable to that so far this year, and we've talked about that too. So these are all things you're definitely going to see from TCU. But Texas does have an advantage in this matchup. Uh, that's why you know I'm leaning Texas too, just in the, mm-hmm. work, the uh, research that I'm doing, because Texas can stop their run with a light box. And if Texas can stop their run with a light box, which they force you to do, but most teams can't stand up to it. But right. Texas actually does have the bodies. They go five deep in the interior D-line. I just saw this from our friends over at uh, Hook'em Headlines. It's a great stat, but it actually backs up what I've been saying. Texas has the two has top, has the top two and three of the top five highest-graded Big 12 interior defensive linemen and run defense this season. Yep. Moro Ojimo, Byron Murphy, Tavondre Sweat. Doesn't even include Coburn. It doesn't who's even. Been Obviously, the best of that group. I was going to so say far. the hottest lately. Yes, yeah. and so Texas has the ability with their interior line to stop the run with a light box. The concern with this game will come down to can Texas pass defense limit explosive plays in the passing game from TCU, and can they limit Max Duggan as a scrambler? That's that's what the, that's it. That's the game in a nutshell. You want to know the game in a nutshell? That's it. I just gave it to you. I know, and you know what it is too. When you look at Max Duggan. He's got a he's got a message. I mean, he's sitting there. He's on a mission for this year as well. So as far as the running is concerned, that was one of the biggest concerns that we had on a lot of these quarterbacks because mm-hmm. of their mobility. He's at the top of it as far as mobility as well. Oh man, there you go. See, this is also <laughs> lifetime long one. Casey Stutters ran as well. Yeah, he's up in here kicking it too. Looking for some meat. Looking for some meat. <laughs> Uh, we have the meats. We have the meats. Uh, all right. Uh, we'll come back. Uh, we're a little late. We'll come back with an off-the-record. Apparently, Snoop Dogg is refuting the report of his uh, blunt roller. His, uh, come on, his man. His joint roller. <laughs> we'll get into that. All that and more right here on Ball Don't Lie on 104.9 The Horn. We came in so late. Right. We're singing Amarillo by morning, and we were waiting until he stopped to come in. That's what was happening right there. That's, behind That's the how we do. Yeah. All right, we're, we're live hanging out here at Randall's at the corner of Brody and Slaughter. Thanks to all the folks who came out, man, all the fans. I tell you, the best part of this job is meeting the fans and meeting the day ones. We got some day ones, some OGs that basically been listening to myself or 
Maharaj since you know way way back in the day. And I yep. met an OG, my man Juan, and he man he bought me some Bud Light. He's been blessing you. He blessed man, you. He brought me a, a case of Bud Light. So thanks to Juan, one 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 the day ones, <clears throat> and also I an got, OG. I got blessed by my man Ken that I've known since uh, I know since we were working in the hospitals together. Come on. And he got me some all stuff. That's what I'm saying. You know what I'm hey. saying? The people, the people know what we like. They know what we the like. people know what so, we like. So, uh, man, don't think we don't appreciate it, man. For Much sure. love here. No question. So we're hanging out here at Randall's. We're giving away four separate pairs of tickets to the Texas TCU matchup. Come on out here. You can sign up and register for those tickets. We're going to upgrade a lucky pair of those tickets to up to uh, VIP status. Yep. Uh, so come on out here. We'll be out here until 7, but you don't have to be present to win. Just put your name in the registration box. Okay, how about this? So Snoop Dogg. Actually, this I don't know which one's a cool story. He can, he employs a professional blunt roller yes. to roll all of his blunts. And if I was rich enough, I would definitely have something like that. For sure. If you know what I mean No if doubt. I, if I smoked as much as Snoop, I guess. Man. I would have that. Um, and he claims or at least he's claiming that his ex blunt roller, because now he's got another blunt roller, he's claiming that his ex blunt roller um, is basically being dishonest. About fibbing the amount of uh, or the <laughs> the number of joints that she had to roll for Snoop per day. Okay, she's claiming she had to roll 150 joints daily, and basically Snoop Dogg is saying no, that that's not true. Yeah, said the words are taken out of context now. Yeah, TMZ hip hop uh, caught up with Rena Gade. Piranha? No See, idea. listen, listen. Think about that name right now. there. Exactly. Renegade. I, I, don't, I'm not She's a renegade. I'm no longer cool enough to know what's going on here. <laughs> She's a professional blunt roller whose rep is going up in smoke over what she was saying. <laughs> some wayward reporting down under. Apparently, doing a recent appearance on Australia's radio, the Kyle and Jackie Show, Renegade estimated she had rolled 450,000 blunts since 2016 when she turned into a professional blunt roller. A renegade specified she was referring to Snoop as well as her other clientele, but several publications and several media blogs fumbled her statement, applying the massive number only to Snoop. Because she's a professional blunt roller for more than just Snoop. There's a lot of stars out like, there. Yeah, five or six yep, clients. Yep. She just goes and rolls blunts for them. Yep. What a great job, by Think the way. Think about that. Think about that. Wow. What are you doing today? Professional, oh, I'm about to go roll up. Professional. What, what, what would be the downside of being a professional blunt and joint roller? Use your hands like you get like yeah, you go arthritis s- in yeah. your hands. It's gonna be arthritic. Arthritic. But most of the time they got the machines now. Who's they got them? Ma- they got them. Oh, ma- how you know this? Because I heard from somebody that oh, I know hard. that oh, be in them streets. She know a lot about you know this. I'm from, hey, I'm are you? Clean, are you trying? Are you aspiring to become a professional blunt or joint roller? Uh that'd be something. <laughs> that I gotta get you know like anything else. If you want to be good at something, you gotta practice. Uh, well, yes. <laughs> that is true. Well, apparently Snoop uh, himself reacted to this. Uh, obviously this story on social media in typical Snoop fashion and unfortunately uh, also you know seem to buy the fake news Renegade says she doesn't speak to Snoop directly but wants him to know she feels terrible about the misquote what about how much uh, weed he actually smoked first of all I think everybody why would Snoop be upset about that he wasn't that's like Willie Nelson saying I don't Snoop wasn't upset about it he wasn't upset about it okay he he just basically okay she's the one who kind of fact checked it for him okay 
Because she was like, oh, no, it was 10. I rolled 450 blunts, but it wasn't all 450,000 blunts, but not all for Snoop. Ah, so people that's where the, the misquote. They, they did the Wilt Chamberlain math on her blunt rolling. Wow. Basically, like, Wilt Chamberlain said he slept with how many women? Like, Over 100,000. Whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. And people basically took that number and started dividing it up by the number of years he was in his prime and when he started having sex for the oh, first yeah. time oh, yeah. and decided he must have had sex with this many women per day. They did that. They they did they that just, with yeah. her blunt rolling. They were doing some and cross they, multipliers. And it, and it was a mis yeah, it was a, it was a miscalculation <laughs> is what she said. For sure. All of those uh joints For sure. should not have been, you know, Snoop Dogs. Yes. So they, she should have said I I'm employed by multiple artists and celebrities yeah. to be able to do that. Just happens to be Snoop Dogg is one. I think we and all And I did this. I think we all thought it was the a right, right around the right I, number for Snoop. Nobody was very surprised fair. or shocked. It was like, okay. Very fair. Snoop, 150 joints a day. Yep. I think he's hanging with a crew. Great. You and, know he rolls deep. And him himself, he's going through 20 a day. And, and challenging he's got, you. He's got two or three partners, and they go through 10. For 10 sure. 10 joints each. For sure. That's that 60, 70 joints right there. In the day. That's what I'm saying. So I figured, oh, that, man. No, that's probably before noon. <laughs> <laughs> I figured, Depending on the crew. Yeah, and then he goes out in the town. Oh, for and sure. Then, you know, for sure. Everybody in the club gets a joint. And for sure. Another 20 joints. Yeah, depending on where they at. So I figured. And hey, they live in a legal place. Yeah. They live where it's legal. So I thought that, yeah. that number, to me, actually did line up. It tracked 150 joints it a day. It tracked. Yeah, of I course, Snoop like has 150 joints a day. Yeah, uh, I'm right. down. We'll come back. We'll uh, get into some NFL news notes and nuggets. Talk Cowboys, talk Texans, and uh, talk about the Thursday night football game coming up tonight. All oh. that and more right here on Ball Don't Lie on 104.9 The Home.